Hello everyone and welcome to the Property Show podcast. My name is Monty and I'm your host of the show that investigates and discusses the latest news and views in the UK property market, all delivered in a down-to-earth, challenging and hopefully witty way. We have a welcome return to the studio today for property legend, expert and all-round Mr Knowledge, uh, the effervescent Ed Mead. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Ed. Hi, Monty. How are you doing? Uh, I run out of ways to introduce you, really. But um, anyway, for those that don't know, Ed pretty, mo- pretty much knows everything about the property world, having worked with Douglas and Gordon for many years and is now the founder of prop tech firm Viewber. There you go. How's yes. Viewber going, by the way? Well, it's a welcome change. I didn't think I'd be working quite this hard at this age. I'm 60 <laughs> next year. Um, but it's been fantastic. Um you know, there's so much that's changing in the world of property. And having been an agent for the thick end of 40 years, having spotted a hole in the market, which yeah. for me was the the problems we had with weekend viewings, to be able to set up a solution for that, which has been growing and growing and growing, is uh, yeah. is quite fun. To, to, to watch something that you had an idea about, something walking around a field to see it growing <laughs> into what it's grown into is fantastic. But, you know, we're three years in and still going. Yeah. That's really good. I follow your tweets with with uh, with interest. So yeah, no, I'm Thank glad you. that's going well. Thank you. Um, so we've got loads to talk about uh, in the next twenty five minutes or so. And um, well, there's only one place to start, really. Uh, when we last met, we thought by this time we'd be out of Europe <laughs> at least three times, probably. <laughs> we had so many deadlines, um, and now we've got a general election to deal with. So it's uh, what are people meant to think, really, is. Is everyone fed up and carrying on as normal? Or do you, do you see people deciding yet again to wait and see? Well, that's certainly happening. But there are there are one or two other um, corollaries of that. Um, the principal one for me, anyways, is that the market I was always working in, which was the central London market, mm. which I know a lot of people say, oh, central London's <laughs> irrelevant for the rest of the country. But it's not. You know, the, the the wealth that's created by people buying and living in expensive properties in central London. I know there's a problem with people buying and leaving properties and not yeah, living in them, but yeah. people who buy them and live in them. And actually, central London's always been more about exchange rates than interest rates. Mm. And um, for a lot of people who are denominated in dollars or euros, if, they've, if they're buying properties now, given the way central London property prices have fallen since 2014, given the exchange rate changes, they're buying these properties yeah. now for almost half what they would have that's been in right. 2014. So so that's one side of it. But that is, that's not what most people think about. And obviously, for most people, the B word has been replaced by the C word. Um, you know, Brexit for Corbyn. Now, you know, whatever your politics... <laughs> I've got a question on that later. <laughs> well, whatever politi- whatever your politics is, and I noticed you did a... Um, a survey on Twitter earlier where you were yeah, saying, what, right. what are your main concerns? And it was a Corbyn mm. government came out miles on mm. top. And whatever your political leanings, you know, if you have an interest in any form of entrepreneurship, making money, uh, creating wealth, you know, you're going to be a lot worse off under a Corbyn government. There's no question of that. So what has been a problem for some people in the back of their mind, worrying about Brexit and what's going to happen and being unknown, has been replaced by a much larger elephant in the shape of the mm. potential Corbyn government. Now, the the main concern is most most people, if you'd asked them six months ago, would have thought, no, no chance of that happening. But because of the volatility of the of the climate in which we live, anything's possible. Mm. So it is still a possibility. And so from that point of view, if you're a buyer at the moment, and I had a call this morning from a very old client of mine who bought a very substantial property about 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, 
has interests abroad, etc., etc., who is selling this particular residence because of the potential threat of a really? That is the only That's reason really he is selling it. So that is, if people like that start leaving... Mm. You know that's 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 the way it was See, in seventy eight, seventy nine. Yeah, quite a lively discussion with with mates on the on Saturday night about it, and they they were a couple of them were like, actually, I want to vote Lib Dem, but I'm worried that if I do, it will let Corbyn in, etc. All of that, all of that nonsense. But well, of course, Farage has just dropped, literally a few hours ago, dropped dropped his threat to stand a Brexit party candidate in every seat. He's he's not going to put them in 317 seats. That's probably because, frankly, he hasn't got them. But nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, he's he's saying that he won't. So that takes one bit of that threat away. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to in, 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 impinge on anyone's political um, leanings. But if you are a property owner or you have an interest in the property market, it mm. will be significantly different. And I don't mean better mm. under a Corbyn government. No, it's really interesting. That poll, as it stands at the moment, 69% said they're more worried about a, a and you had a Corbyn decent response government. to it. You had a decent yeah, response absolutely. to it as well. Yeah. So, so uh, um, we'll see where that ends up. But but that's definitely I've been asked that question a lot over the last over the last six, seven months actually. Um and yeah, it's, it seems certainly from a property point of view and from a business point of view, people are definitely more worried about Well people that. forget that, you know, the reason we've had low interest rates for ten years is because the the economy is is yeah. in a terrible state. You wouldn't did you just mouth the swear word there. I did, <laughs> and, and 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 the fact is, it, you know, I've been saying to you for 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 ages that this is not going to change for a very very long time. No. So it does need the economy does need no. a sensible stewardship, and and I just think that the 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 inherent risks in having someone who wants to come to power and spend, 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 spend is just not tenable in the existing environment. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. I was going to ask you about that and in terms of the just focusing on their property proposals generally. Um, do you see anything interesting coming from any of the main parties around around property themselves? The trouble is, there's so much talk at this stage. Everyone yeah. says, "Yes, we want to build more houses." The, yeah, but they've the whole, been saying that for thirty. Well, years. I know they have. I mean, the, you know, the fact is, it 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 may be one thing that a Labour government would do, which was is, yeah. is to spend a lot more money on 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 affordable housing. But uh, if you leave these decisions up purely to politicians, which I would suggest, if if they do get into power, would be the situation, rather than involving sensible business people mm. in these sort of decisions, then I think it'll be a disaster. Mm. The fact is you've got to build the right houses in the right places for the right people, and yeah, that's absolutely. the difficulty with it. And yeah. it needs, to me, housing needs to be taken out of politics completely. So, no, I haven't heard anything. I've only heard worrying things about rent controls, mm. which which have never worked. Um, and the whole politicisation of, of housing, like climate change, is just absurd. We should all have the same dynamic, which is that we want to make it better. Why does it need to be a political football? Just <laughs> sort it out. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, well... The government promised not longer, oh, a couple of years ago, to build all these starter homes that will be available for uh, 20 percent off, whatever, whatever it was, yeah. discount for people. Yeah, they haven't built any. How? Why? <laughs> well, any that's idea because, well, that's why because that they've put their money into letting more, letting banks continue to borrow large amounts of money cheaply <laughs> to lend it to us, <laughs> right? And also help to buy, of course, which is you know yeah. di dying a, a slow death. Do you think it is? Helped by dying a death. Well, I think it's 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 not done what it intended. Well, it's done mm. slightly what it intended to. I mean, obviously, the main problem with with 
Um, We've had a few arguments on the... Uh, well, we have, and I, I, and I sort of don't want to go the on them. Part. I mean, you know, there are plenty of people who have very strong opinions on the <laughs> yeah. subject, but in the past, it was assumed that if you're a property owner, you were going to vote Tory. Mm. And one of the issues over the last few years is that the, the property, you know, ownership of property has dropped significantly. Yeah. Um, and therefore, if you encourage people to buy, they'd become, they'd they'd vote Tory. Um but the fact of the matter is, all it's really done is put a lot of money straight into house builders' pockets, mm. which of itself is no bad thing. They need to survive and thrive and whatever, but they don't need to make some of these. Mm. It's, al- it's almost as if they deserve some kind of a windfall tax. I hope you don't actually print or, or put that out <laughs> on air. But it has been rather rather over the top. And I think from that perspective, it's just, it's just enabled them to make more money rather than necessarily helping a lot more people. Yeah. Because the biggest problem, of course, is that as house prices aren't going up, these guys, at some point, who've taken out their buy to let, their buy to let, their helped, they're by. helped by loans from the, the the government element of it, will mm. start to become payable on top of their own loan, yeah, fairly shortly. So from that perspective, they're going to have to pay their own mortgage plus the bit they That's owe right. the government, Absolutely. and the value of their property won't have gone up. So, yeah. if not gone down, so not only could they potentially be trapped in negative mm. equity, but they have significantly higher loan repayments than they would have if they'd done it normally. Yeah, I can't help worrying that there's. Uh... There's a mis-selling scandal next somewhere PPI, in the, in, in the yeah, next yeah. few years around help to buy, which which is a bit worrying. But but how do you think we we do solve? The, <clears> there's a construction slowdown at the moment. How do we, as you say, build the right properties in the right place at the right place at the right? Well, price? I think by, by taking it out of politics and getting people who mm. know you need to be going around touring. I mean, the people who really know what's needed in their areas are the are the, are the local councils because they know where their demand is for yeah. housing. So you've somehow got to get together with you, you've got to have someone who takes a not a straw poll but a proper visitation to each borough all over the UK. So you need a sort of housing czar. Uh, you know, you need someone who is who is really going to take this on outside politics mm. and and be properly funded to do it. I mean, the other thing on the other end of this, of course, is that the one of the going back full circle here. One of the issues with Brexit is a lot of the people who would have been here building, you know, the plumbers, the plasterers, these yeah. sort of guys have gone home. So yeah, there is a right. shortage of these sort of people around as well to do the work. So. Yeah. Even if you do suddenly accelerate the amount of building, you're going to be in trouble with the supply of people to build it. Mm. Um, there was one thing that, that caught my eye on the press the other day, actually, which was um, another government plan to try and end gazumping. Did you see that? that well, was yes, exce- except that, of a course... A reservation they, fee of I, I know, I know, which or... is just... It's, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, they... The trouble is, I know from my experience as an agent that the amount of time you spend trying to work out what constitutes... Um, a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card on a reservation <laughs> yeah. agreement takes as much time to do that as it does to exchange contracts on the actual purchase or sale. Um, there are so many things that can affect a reservation agreement, you know, something that turns up you didn't know about, a defect in the property, what constitutes enough to, to pull out of the sale on a survey. Um, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, the fact of the matter is... Um, we need to be adopting something more akin to the Scottish system mm. um, and not have this situation where neither buyer nor seller has any skin in the game until it's exchanged. I mean, you know, you can buy relatively cheap insurance these days. You can insure against the losses. Mm. Yeah, you can. You know, 50, yeah. 100 quid buys you a significant amount of yeah. uh, insurance against a survey, illegal costs yeah, and everything right. else like that. But. What this needs is to look at the other end of the equation, which is that we need to, I'm afraid, and as someone who was very against hips when they first came out, because mm. I thought they were very badly God, done, hips. Yeah. we need to go back and revisit that. Yeah. What we need are property information packs uh, where 
you know, people provide all the information up front. So when yeah. someone says, yes, I'm going to buy it, they have all the information up front. Then, of course, all the pressure moves back onto you because mm. how is the mortgage community, the finance community, going to be able to get these mortgages through more quickly? You know, if everything had a single point of contact, if everyone had a unified way of holding data within a blockchain, mm. well, how, however it's done, um, frame, um, can they therefore get a mortgage offer very, very quickly? Mm. It would be so nice if a mortgage company could go straight in, see someone's details, verified, up to date, know exactly what their credit was like, exactly what job they had, exactly how much they earned, how, how their records have been in the past. If all that was available straight away mm. and they had a property information pack, then there's no reason why people shouldn't be able to buy a property on the push of a button, which would ignore all the other issues. Yeah, I think, Sintra, I think the, the actual getting the mortgage offer, I, I, I actually quite like the idea of the, the home information packs at the time, but you're right, it was just uh, rolled out really badly yeah. and I think that was the issue with that um, but nowadays getting a mortgage offer I can get a mortgage offer in 48 hours from, I know but that's because some, you're a good broker but, the, but, but a lot of people can because the lenders do have the information they can do these credit checks quickly they can verify income quickly they can get uh, in some cases they do a uh, automated valuation even um, so that's not that's not the biggest issue um for me it's all around and, and where we all we have all of our delays is in the conveyancing so as soon as the mortgage offers out from offer to completion it seems to take eons and that's where we see all the issues that's where we see people starting to doubt things that's where we see when you when you say out <laughs> when you say the conveyances they want do you mean the conveyances that are acting the panel surveyors who are acting for the mortgage or or are you talking about the are you talking about the the buyer or the sellers solicitors yeah the buy, the buyers and the sellers okay. solicitors because i mean basically they act for the in most cases in most cases they, act they for do the lender and and for the buyer so would well. it still be the case that for instance banks like hsbc who always traditionally and i mean this morning there they were in the press saying they want to double in size over yeah, the next sort of few right. years yeah, yeah. um I remember three or four years ago when rates really started to come down to rock bottom they, their rates were so attractive that their their time to mortgage offer was taking a ridiculous length of time mm -hmm. simply because of the volume of business they had. Yeah. So is that still an issue or is, has, has all of that really simplified over the last few years? It has simplified, but you still get service issues with lenders. Yeah. So you still, yeah, I mean, if you're offering the cheapest rate, unless you're really running on tech and it's all really simple, vanilla type of mortgages, four times income, 60% yeah, yeah, yeah. loan to value. Um, those types of deals are, are flying out very quickly. As soon as there's something tricky, as soon as your income's a little bit tricky, as soon as you want to borrow a little bit more, as soon as there's, there's more checks, um, then potentially we're seeing bottlenecks. And, uh, and those types of lenders who offer the very cheapest rates, when they've got loads of business going through, um, sometimes they can't cope with it. Yeah. So, so that's where we're seeing the bottlenecks. But it's we, funny, isn't it? Because the conveyancing um, community will always say, oh, it's the mortgage companies, and the mortgage companies will always say, it's the, it's the conveyances. <laughs> I mean, it is all part of the process that needs looking at. Not only have you got yeah. to go and question housing or local authorities all yeah. over the UK about who needs housing where, it's also a question of just simplifying this process. And to mm. me, you need to get the front end right, which is all the information up front and being held up front in, either, mm. in a property information pack 
and the mortgage companies need to be need to be ready to go. If someone can get together and put, push all that push all that together, so that literally everything is available more or less immediately, mm. and the estate agents understand. I always used to whenever I took on a property, the first thing I did when I went to see someone says, "Have you got your title deeds?" If they got a mortgage, mm. and because it can take two or three weeks to yes, get right. the title Absolutely. deeds, so someone says, "Yeah, great, yeah. I've got an offer," and they say, "Right," and then they've got to wait three weeks for the title deeds to mm. arrive. By which time the buyer's lost interest, thinks you're not being yeah. serious, and goes off and buys something else. <laughs> so it is. It, it, there are some very very simple things people can do. Yeah. If those were mandated. Mm. and were part of some simple sort of pack. And there are some very clever people out there pu- pulling this information together. Why do auction companies, why have auction companies been able to sell stuff on the fall of the hammer? Because they provide a, a data room and they yeah. put documentation in the data room and very all the parties true. can go and have a look at it. Mm. Why don't all property transactions have a data room? They cost pennies to set mm. up. Information can be put in there. It gives the estate agent... Certainly for the for the early adopters, it would give the estate agents the possibility mm. of sitting in front of a client saying, right, we've got a data room here for you. You instruct me, we'll open this tomorrow. Let's start putting everything in. Where, where are your guarantees wouldn't for your heating? An, an estate agent, that's it. Think of that. So if, you, if you're an estate agent, actually, can't you create your own data room and actually prepare your well, your vendors for that? Yes, actually, but I mean, if a, there are people that have been doing this in to... auction companies for years, yeah. for instance, there's an outfit called the Essential Information Group, wonderful man called David Sanderman, who's had this, he's been, he's had over 30 million downloads from data rooms <laughs> of documents over the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it's all ready to go, uh, you know, all ready to go. So mm. I think, I think th- th- there is, um, this sort of thing is afoot but it needs more of us mm. who have been around a few years and have got a, got a few grey hairs like us to talk about it more often so that those in authority... And it's really encouraging, I have to say. I, uh, as you know, occasionally I do a, a few podcasts as yeah, well, yeah. and I was really chuffed They're very have, good as well. well I, like I, I was very ones, chuffed yeah. to have Kevin Hollingrate in. Yeah. Kevin Hollingrate yeah, the other yeah. day, who was yeah. a, a, he's been a long-time estate agent, been an MP for years. Everyone's hoping he's going to get involved with the construction side, although he seems to be more interested in the finance side <laughs> right, at the moment. Okay. I think he might, might have just been awarded the chair of the... Um, Home Finance Committee, but I think he's. Um, uh, I would really like to see someone like him get involved with housing. Who yeah, really understands how it works, and and I think we're we're beginning to get to a stage where people mm. are getting. I hope are getting involved. Who actually know what they're talking mm. about. So, do you think that the, the market's healthy at the moment? Are you, are you seeing uh, is there still a disconnect between vendors who want to sell their their property at X amount and and buyers who want to sell no buy more it than is normal. Or, it's always normal for people's expectations to be a bit higher. Yeah. And the problem with selling a property is always the same, that you never know until you test the market. So, you know, if it, it, the, we always discovered the best sales we ever did at Douglas & Gordon were always where you priced as we did relatively modestly and then got above it because mm. you got lots of interest rather than over-pitching it and having to reduce the price. But the trouble is estate agency is naturally one where people, particularly at the moment, are short of listings. I mean, yeah. Turnover is transactional turnover is down what 20, 25%. So people are desperate for business. There are more and more estate agents out there. Yeah. Even though there are plenty going to the wall, there are still plenty more appearing. Technology, oddly, like the things we're doing at Viewber, enable people to start up much more easily on their own mm. out of their kitchen or mm. their back bedroom or whatever it is, because they can now get a lot of the servicing done via technology. Yeah. People meeting people miles away to let them into properties. Um, that actually there's a proliferation of these smaller agents. So mm. I would have said the market's as, as healthy as ever. And of course, when things are difficult, that's when the good people shine. You know, people who are getting it right now. Yeah, absolutely. If we do get a, a result that enables people to get their confidence back, both in the election and in terms of Brexit, I think we're, we would be in for a significant, I think we could be in for a very significant bounce in January yeah. 
probably more. That's what I've been March. saying. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, we've seen, we've seen, I mean, lenders at the moment, as you, you've seen in the press, they're, they're desperate for business and they're cutting rates left, right and centre. Um, it was interesting that the Monetary Policy Committee, the Bank of England yesterday, um, they voted seven to two that to keep rates the same. And usually you think the two have uh, voted for a rate increase, but no, they voted for a cut. So we could well see that the next the next move in interest rates is actually a downward one. Well, can you explain to me, because I find the logic very difficult, <laughs> that in places like Japan and <laughs> even the know. States, we're now talking about negative interest rates. There. Yeah. Because to me, once you get down to half, quarter of a percent, talking about rate cuts is mm. completely meaningless. And they're getting to a stage, certainly in places like Germany, where they're talking about people having to pay to keep their money in the banks, mm. literally. So how do negative interest rates work? I... <sighs> They're real, a real <laughs> complex um, scenario, really. I'm, I'm probably not the best person to ask no, well, that question. No, that's fair enough. I mean, you know, you, you and I exist in the real world, not <laughs> yeah. in the sort of virtual world of it's, financing. Um, yeah, I understand the concept of them and them broadly. Um, but for me, I, I think, I think that any cut now would be, I think it's too premature. Yes, I think it's far too premature because there's, there's just no, no real room for manoeuvre as it is. So if we do have a bad Brexit scenario or we do have uh, issues further with the, with the global economy, et cetera, um, and if they act too soon, then they, they have got nowhere to go. And then you are looking in the, the realms of negative interest rates. And I just <clears> don't <throat> think people in the UK will be able to get their head around that concept and really understand how that works. Um, and I'm not sure it would have, it would have the desired effect. No, I don't think so. I don't think people will understand it. I mean, the only thing people might understand, which has been mooted once or twice, of course, is this concept of helicopter money. Yes. Which is about printing large yeah. amounts of money, going up in a helicopter yeah. and literally going over cities and just dumping it. Yeah. So people go and pick it up off the street and then they go and spend it mm. in the economy. I think that might be a reality looking looking forward into the future because you're thinking about a lot of how uh, people are working, their traditional type of jobs are changing. Um, there might be a whole swathe of people who actually need some kind of income from the government just for existing. Well, they've been uh, talking about that, haven't they, for years. I mean, so some, I think some countries in, in... I think we'll see something like that in the future. Well, some Scandinavian countries, they do that. They have um, That's right. mandatory yeah, minimum wages and people yeah. will get it whether they're working or not. Yeah. So rather than risking unemployment benefit and this sort of thing, they, yeah. they literally get yeah. a guaranteed minimum wage. Yeah, there's a, there's a good argument for something like that, yeah. which is, which is being, being proved in those countries. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if we see something like that in the not too distant future. Yeah. I mean, you, you made a very interesting point there about the way people work. And of course, one of the demographics that is changing is that traditionally people have moved to London and the southeast because they feel that's where the money is. And if they're going to mm -hmm. want if they're going to want to earn more or improve themselves in inverted commas, they need to come and live in London, and the southeast. But of course, with the expansion of the tech industry and particularly working from home, I mean, at Vuba, we have nearly 40 people who work for us within the business running it. We don't have an office. We've been mm. going for three years. They all work. It's, it's yeah. called distributed service, yeah. i.e. working from home. Yeah. <laughs> but people are going to be less and less um, dependent upon living near their work. Yeah. Now, how is that going to alter the demographic for property mm. values? Because if the demand for living in London and the southeast, where, let's face it, a lot of people would quite like to live in the mm. Peak District, Cornwall, the southwest, Middle of Wales, wherever mm. they want to go and live, where they can have a good quality of life, provided they have fast broadband, which is, of mm. course, the big problem for well, a lot of people. That's a big problem, yeah. It is. I Every mean, time you know, I go up to Norfolk, I hate it. 
Well, it's <laughs> it is extraordinary, and it's not just the fast broadband. No. It's the it's the it's no. the data. You know, I mean, I go to, I I'm lucky enough to have a place in Dorset, and where I am, there's no mobile phone signal, and you know, Wi-Fi. Luckily, there's been a local entrepreneur who's put up a, a mass so we can get <laughs> right, fast okay. Wi-Fi, but, but it's very unusual. BT, yeah. forget it. Yeah, that is two unusual. or three years away. So. I don't understand. I mean, that's the one thing that actually. If there is a uh, we're leaving, etc., we're gonna we're we're gonna reinvent the UK and we're gonna be masters of of industry, etc. That's something they really need to sort out. Well, they keep saying, the but of course they keep hiding behind the same sort of things that Vodafone do. They say, oh yes, we cover ninety nine percent or ninety seven percent of the population. Mm. Well, of course, ninety seven percent of the population probably live in about forty percent of the ground. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah. Um, so just a, a little thing about uh, the state agency world generally. Um, we've had well publicised issues with countrywide purple bricks, e-move, etc. Um, all it, it's a lot of that due to technology coming in and then and them using it badly. Um, what's uh, what's uh... well? I think for, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because purple bricks and countrywide certainly have been the two biggest, mm. along with Connells, the sort of you know two or three of the biggest estate agents. Countrywide had a problem in that I think Alison Platt had some very good ideas for the business, but she surrounded herself by other non-estate agents on yeah. the board and and yeah. senior management and got rid of the people that really knew what they were talking about from an estate yeah. agency perspective. So the actual implementation, I think, was flawed. I think it's a pity. Um, and they're now just coming back from that, period. There's nothing else to say, really. They're just coming back from that, and that's a major problem. Purple Bricks, of course, launched themselves as a tech business, but they're not really a tech business. And I think that the the extraordinary thing about Purple Bricks is that, A, they're still here, number one. Mm. Two, the majority of their business is done up north where the fees that the people pay up front are actually more than they often more than they would pay to their estate agent. Mm. And I think that talks very strongly to the fact that is that people unfortunately don't like estate agents. And what Purple Bricks <laughs> have done is offer people the opportunity to sell their property without having to talk to an estate agent. Yeah. Do it online. And I think that is a very powerful thing for people. They I, th I think estate agents always overestimate their own Abilities. That's really strong. I don't mean that to be rude, but I think they over they mm. overestimate the esteem in which they're held by the by the public. Mm. So I think Purple Bricks have created a niche which isn't going to go away. Um, I think they are refining what they do at the moment. So I think anybody that sits around and you've only got to go underneath some of the um, trade websites, probably industry and I state agent today, and negotiated these sort of guys and look at the comments underneath to see how virulently anti-purple bricks a lot of these and the online sector a lot of these people are but i think blind criticism and blind head in the sandness isn't going to do the job i think uh, most traditional estate agents if we can call them that are online anyway mm. they're all moving in a more techie direction and purple bricks i think will have to move a bit more towards the high street mm. and will have to engage in a lot more service-led um cover to 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 enable them to survive so I think that there's there's all still to play for Monty. It's a, it's a fascinating game at the moment. It really is. And uh, any predictions in the next six months or so in well, terms I, of the market generally? And well, I, I think the only thing we can be sure of is that there is going to be an election result on December the twelfth. Hopefully, it'll be it'll be decisive one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and that that will then be followed by Brexit. I mean, the idea that we get a Corbyn government followed by his saying, oh, yeah, we can get a sensible deal in six months. I mean, we no know that's chance. just not going to happen. No. So that would be a disaster, I think, all around. But yeah. if we get, a, if we get a, a decisive result and then Brexit in January, I think we could have a really good period mm. next year where the Brits start to feel confident again. They start to feel 
Um, I mean, I travel a bit and sometimes it's almost, I mean, I was coming back from somewhere a long way away recently and I was at an airport on the other side of the world and the guy checking my bags looked at me and he said, what are you guys doing about Brexit? <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. I felt like saying, mind your own business, mate, is what I wanted to say. But it has been a talking point all over the that world. That really is all over the world. And it's all time for it to yeah. finish and to be got on with and people are fed up with it. I mean, you know, I'll be completely blunt. I voted Remain originally because my, my yeah. business was no, not dependent, so but yeah. was, 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 if, was going to be significantly mm -hmm. affected by a negative result. Now that it's happened, if we had another um, referendum tomorrow, I would vote to leave because I just want to get on with it. Mm. But, you know, hey, what do I know? <laughs> well, you know quite a lot, so thank you very much. Um, there's one question, actually, I don't think I've ever asked you. If you weren't doing what you're doing now in the property industry, what would you... What would you be doing? I'd what be buggering about on motorbikes is what I'd be doing. I've always been obsessed with motorbikes, as yeah. you well know. Yeah. I'm sitting here wearing my armoured jeans <laughs> with my armoured jacket on the floor there. And I would love to have... I, I would. Do you know what I'd love to do? Go on. I'd love to be a motorcycle dispatch rider. Really? I mean, maybe it's... still time. I mean, well, it's, it, it may become the only way to earn money. But do you know what? The best motorcycle dispatch riders have a career where they tend to work three months on, three months off. They work for three months and then yeah. they disappear off and land on a desert island for three months. They earn good money and then they come back and work another three months. And I think that sort of day-to-day -day lifestyle has a lot going for it. I think people these days are far too obsessed with worrying about the future. You and I were talking about noise-cancelling headphones before this. <laughs> Most people out there just couldn't give a toss. <laughs> and on that bombshell, there you go. Um, right, well, thank you, Ed Mead. It's always a pleasure to have you here. So uh, thanks a lot for your, your views, candid as always. Um, thank you for listening. We'll be back next month. Any comments or questions in the meantime to put to myself or any of our guests, then you can contact me on Twitter at Montes Blog. Um, until next time, this is The Property Show signing off.